welcome to the Navit Gaming Podcast, where it is our mission to explore the business and future of video games. We bring together the industry's brightest builders, investors, and thinkers to keep a pulse on current events, dissect emerging trends and games, share lessons learned, and have a great time. This podcast is also part of Novik's growing ecosystem, which ranges from free and premium research to consulting and advisory services. For more information, visit www.novik.co. This episode is brought to you by Nexus. Building a support a creator program is something all live service game developers should be doing. But without the right engineering bandwidth or marketing expertise, doing so can be a challenge. Nexus's creator program in a box makes it easy for game devs to build and manage world-class creator programs, driving significant growth in conversion, ARPU, retention, and LTV. Nexus has partnered with incredible live service publishers like Capcom, Grinding Gear Games, Hi-Rez, Ninja Kiwi, and more, and would love to help you, our Navic Gaming Podcast listeners, do the same. If interested in learning more, simply head to nexus.gg slash Novik. There, you can learn more about the efficacy of support of creator programs and discover how to easily build your own. Again, that's nexus.gg slash Novik, or check out the link in the show notes. And with that, let's jump into the episode. Hello, and welcome to the Novik Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Ovori. We have a great episode for you today. We are talking about Zynga and its entry into Web3. On September 13th, Zynga minted its first NFT collection on Ethereum. They're called the Auras, O-R-A-S. And uh, Zynga also announced its first Web3 game called Sugartown. Uh, in my opinion, this is an exciting moment for all of us working in the space. As our listeners well know, there have been not many large established developers who have taken the plunge into the Web3 waters, especially in the Western markets. So to have a big player like Zynga validate Web3 in this way is a big deal. And I suspect we will look back at this in the future as one of the seminal moments in the unfolding of the great Web3 gaming saga. So to find out if I am right about this, we have a great guest and the perfect person to dig into this topic. Our guest today is Matt Wolf. He is Zynga's VP of Web3 Gaming. And he has a really interesting background, both in gaming and outside of it, and brings a, in my opinion, unique perspective to the Web3 space, especially from the Zynga perch. I'll let him tell you more about himself, his journey to Web3, and what Zynga's up to. Matt, welcome to the pod. Thanks, Nico. I love this pod. I listen to it all the time. You guys do a great job, so it's really fun to be here. Uh, awesome. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, what can I say? I've always been attracted to emerging tech and new kinds of value propositions and and web3 is certainly very alluring uh, in 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 that so yeah I'm, I'm happy to be here great great well we always like to start the episode uh, especially with folks like yourself with a lot long history in the in the industry uh, with what was your journey into web3 what drew you into the rabbit hole yeah so you know like I said I've always been attracted to emerging tech and and new kinds of um, new kinds of of, of paradigm pushing um, solutions, let's call them. And so, you know, I got into crypto around 2014 because of that. There was somebody on my team at Coca-Cola who was, you know, at the time Bitcoin mining and, and he was talking to me about it. And I was very interested in it and, um, and read the white paper, was fascinated by it and got into some crypto around then. And then from there, uh, the years went by. And when the bull market came for NFTs in, in 21, uh, I, like so many others, um, were drawn to it and 
played around with it and had a lot of fun with it. Um, knowing, by the way, that um, it was the Wild West, uh, which I loved. I mean, I love being early. It's really hard to, I think, for innovators to uh, not get excited with something like that. And I'd been an advisor to a, a company that was a Web3 company already. So I was kind of sort of close to it. And they were playing around with NFTs at the time. I was an advisor for them. But I immediately saw the potential for games um, as a viable you know, utility and I started playing a few of them and, and found them interesting, um, almost arbitrage related at the time, but saw the potential um, over time, uh, especially as it related to just pure uh, ownership. And so given my background in games and, and brands and innovation, um, you know, I joined with Zynga uh, and the rest is history. Awesome. Um, yeah, Zynga is interesting because it's one of the first large game developers, especially in the Western markets, to enter the Web3 waters, as I alluded to in the in the intro. So uh, I'm very curious to hear, like, what do we start at the very high level, 30,000 feet? Tell our listeners, what is Zynga's overall Web3 strategy? What are you guys doing? Yeah, so, you know, I think first and foremost, you know, we're, we're a large company and, and we've got a rich history in... Um, in looking around corners and and really innovating. And so with Web3, um, I think first and foremost, we're here to build capabilities in new areas. You know, if we're not learning and if we're not pushing ourselves, we're not growing as an organization. Uh, so I think the first thing is capability building. Um, and then of course, and I alluded to this a little bit earlier, um, we're here to empower players as true asset owners. I mean, I think that is the one um, paradigm shift with Web3, very important. Um, that in Providence, but I think in particular empowerment through ownership. So regardless of tech, um, this is a really attractive user proposition, in my opinion. Um, and we're seeing an amount of, of, of also of saturation in, in more traditional forms of gaming, you know, PC console and mobile. Um, we do a great job in both, obviously, us and our, our parent company. But we also see Web3 as a, as a potential blue ocean, um, de- you know, believing deeply in the technology behind it. Um, as well as the, the empowerment of it, the, the provenance of it. Um, we just think that Web3 Gaming has huge potential um, to become another pillar and standby uh, or next to more traditional games. I don't really think Web3 for us is an or, it's probably an and. Um, but, but I think that you know, as we move forward, whatever flavor it ultimately takes or whatever problems it ultimately solves or, or value that it brings to gaming... Um, I think it's here to stay over time, and I think it's got a tremendous amount of potential as we move forward. Yeah, it's interesting you said uh, another pillar, you know, standing next to, that implies not replacing. You know, we've had some folks on this on this pod and some folks in the industry who truly believe, you know, they're, they're you know, visionaries in that sense. They truly believe that Web3 Gaming is going to replace certain kinds of games or certain genres of gaming. That's not my view. It sounds like that's not Zynga's view either. It's additive, purely additive. It is not going to replace anything. It's just going to be something different that players can engage in. Is that about the right read of what you guys are, how you guys are thinking about it too? That's correct. I mean, I think that, um, that we've got obviously a lot of games in our portfolio and a lot of successful games in our portfolio um, that we really value and that our players really value. Um, again, I think for me and, and for the company, Web3 really comes down to you know, ownership. And so what we want to do is first roll to the market with something that's purpose-built, um, that's original, that was built for this world so that we can learn, so that we can um, get really good 
uh, at understanding how this works, not just with Web3 natives, but the art and science of video games, plus the addition of finance, uh, get that formula right, and then look to other ways to bring value to players as we move forward, uh, potentially on Web3 Rails, right? Um, but the, the way we get there when you're a company of our size is to first um, you know, run experiments um, and tests in the market. Now, I'm not saying Sugartown is an experiment or a test. Of course it is, but it's also a product. So I just don't want to spook holders or spook the world that like, oh, it's just a test. But we have to learn. And the reason is because this market is so anonymous. It's so decentralized. There's really no understanding or data um, of how these people want to consume this form of entertainment or, um, or, or even how they want to um, utilize Web3. And so before we're really able to move to scale at a level um, that will um, make sense to our organization across a portfolio, we really need to understand what this is, what the market looks like, how they want to interact with us and do that responsibly and do it safely. Yeah. So you bring up uh, one of the, the, the big questions I had for this for this episode, which is, you know, players, i.e. gamers have up until this point, by and large, not been enthusiastic, shall we say, about traditional developers embracing NFTs and other Web3 components. Uh, Ubisoft famously faced a massive backlash when they tried adding NFTs to Ghost Recon Breakpoint. What has Zynga's approach been with regards to the player community? You kind of teased at it a little bit there uh, in the last answer. Um, what are you guys doing to make sure that you're treading carefully into the player community, not alienating them, bring them along for the ride? And what has their response been uh, so far? Yeah, so I think the first thing that we did um, is we wanted to take a really authentic and responsible approach to the market. So we wanted, as we entered this new sector, um, really immerse ourselves into the sector, bottoms up, not from the top down. Um, so I will say that it has been exhilarating to do that. Um, it's also come with an amount of personal um, and professional vulnerability um, because like you know, um, you know, I come from games um, and I grew up in the games business, Web2 games. Um, and so the last thing I want to do is is put myself in a position where um, I would alienate um, the Web2 industry, which I deeply love. Um, but I'm an innovator and I can't help that. I, you know, we, we pursue our love. And in this case, um, I love to push the envelope. I love to bend light and look around corners and do all those things. It's fun for me. Um, and so when we approach the market, we approach the market as pure as we could. We surrounded ourselves with experts from Web3, um, many of which, um, you know, the audience understands and knows about. Um, and then we also brought in people on our team full time as 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 uh, as employees that have a reputation in Web3 and are very, very good and, and crafty at at. at building real communities and doing marketing and really understanding um, this space. So when we built Sugartown, it was built from a, from a point of view of um, sector expertise, uh, as well as um, a, a sort of, like I said, a, a bit of a bottoms up approach. And that meant that it needed to be totally unique, totally original, which obviously put a lot of pressure on our internal systems as a public company. Um, but, by virtue of doing that, um, I feel like we brought a really pure Web3 game to market or a Web3 really games platform to market. Um, and I think the community realizes that. I think they embraced it. Um, not everybody's going to be happy all the time, but I think the majority of people enjoy what we've 
created and enjoy the level of commitment that we have to the industry to do this correctly um, and authentically from the core. Um, so one of the things that I wanted to ask you about is you started Zynga in December 2021, which, of course, was right at the very peak of the crypto bull run. Um, and obviously, gains take a while to build, especially at large companies and especially things that are ambitious, like Sugartown is. Um, how long before you joined had Zynga been working on these Web3 initiatives? And then how have those initiatives evolved since then as you've taken over and as, of course, the environment has changed quite dramatically, at least in the crypto markets. So, you know, Zynga leadership had been discussing Web3 prior to me joining, but there was nothing really super actionable until I got there. Um, I think they wanted somebody who understood the sector, but also understood traditional Web2, um, knew how to build teams and knew how to build uh, brands and sustainable business. And so when I got there, um, um, I was sort of tasked to do these things. Uh, and, <clears throat> excuse me, um, Web3 leadership, um, you know, has largely remained, you know, unchanged in that we're here to empower players as, you know, owners, but the road to get here um, has evolved, of course. And so what I mean by that is um, the vision that, you know, I originally had when I got to Zynga has remained, you know, fairly fairly focused and, 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 and basically unchanged, but the process, like the product and, and what we built has evolved over time. Um, you know, the first thing I did, for example, when I got here was I built an amazing world-class team of like-minded and really talented people. Um, and it's through this union and this group of, of folks, and it's almost like a, like a spec ops team inside of a, a larger organization, we were able to um, codify over this vision and 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 uh, or unionize over this vision and then um, and then bring it to life. And and I think it wouldn't have happened. Well, and I know it wouldn't have happened without the without the focus and dedication and and support of our of our most senior leadership within the company. Um, and that has remained um, the same since I got here. So. That actually brings me nicely to my next question, which I was planning anyway. Zynga is, of course, now part of Take Two Interactive. Um, you know, twenty-five billion dollar behemoth, you know, known for Grand Theft Auto, Red Dead Redemption, NBA Two K, lots of other great franchises. Too many to to list here. Uh, so you're not just navigating the Zynga legal structure slash you know internal company processes and policies. You're also having to navigate the Take Two policies legal processes. How supportive has Take-Two been on this, this journey into Web3? How autonomous can you guys be as a team, uh, as part of a larger company? In fact, as part of two larger companies, not just one. I mean, we don't have enough time on the podcast for me to go through, are you there? Yeah, all of the, uh, all of the needles we had to thread to bring Sugartown to life. But I will say this, Take-Two has a rich history of empowering the companies it combines with. Period, you know, and Zynga has a history of always innovating and pushing the pursuit of possibilities um, in gaming. Uh, first with Facebook and our Facebook games, and then with Free to Play Mobile. When, by the way, Free to Play Mobile wasn't so popular, as you may recall. Uh, oh, absolutely. We yeah, if I, if I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that this is a, a really interesting point, a really important point. That's why I'm just going to jump in here just real quick because I see personally, I see Web three pretty analogous with 
free-to-play mobile, when that first came, there was a lot of backlash. There was a lot of anger. How is this going to work? Apple ruined the pricing. You know, 99 cents was all you could ever charge. You know, if you give it away for free, who's going to pay? But that just played out into this huge market. Of course, we all know that now, but it wasn't entirely obvious at the time how it would play out. Would free-to-play be a thing? And I think we're very similarly positioned here with Web3 in that we just don't know how it's going to play out. It's going to be a bunch of experiments. And I really do believe, I'm a believer, Web3 will be bigger than we think it can be certainly today. Um, yeah. sounds like I see you nodding your head, so I'm presuming you agree, but that, that's where we are, I think, right now. So I'm, I'm glad you brought up that point because that's exactly right. These shifts can be quite dramatic, uh, slowly at first and then very quickly, uh, quite soon. Yeah, I agree with you, Nico. And, and for the audience that may be listening that's not super familiar with what Web3 is, and it's, it's not just a brown games, like it goes well beyond games into other forms of utility. And so I agree with you that Web3 is a thing that's going to be here and stay. Um, and proliferate and evolve over time um, to provide actually more value uh, through ownership to 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 consumers out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, going back to it, you know, Zynga has has a, de- a rich history of pioneering, um, and so ultimately, Take Two um, is supportive of Zynga's initiatives, and they're trusting of its leadership, uh, including me. Uh, and the proof is the history in I can say this now I couldn't say this three weeks ago but I can say it now is that Sugartown is live it's in the market it's operational and I give a lot of credit to my team I give a lot of credit to the support structure around us um, but obviously we're working within um, parameters that many, many other Web3 games projects don't have to. And that's because, you know, we're a public company and we have to stay really squeaky clean. And we have to make sure that not only do we stay squeaky clean, um, which we are, but also we're providing fun and value to our consumer um, so that we can compete. And I think we are doing those things. Yeah, I actually had a, you you used the phrase here, needle to thread. And now, of course, you use the other phrase, squeaky clean. Uh, I had a chat, not that long. In fact, last week um, with uh, Scott Konigsberg, Scotty K, who's a, a longtime Zynga. I was there with him back in the, the early yeah. days. I'm a uh, big when fan. Out, when he was out with Snoop Dogg blowing up uh, safes in the Nevada <laughs> desert. Uh, by the way, listeners, go and Google that. Go on YouTube. There's a video of uh, early Zynga PMs, including Scott Konigsberg, who is now Zynga's <laughs> chief product officer, with Snoop Dogg in the Nevada desert, blowing up an armored car, uh, you know, to celebrate the success of Mafia Wars uh, back in the early days. Uh, fun time. Those are fun times, and I'm sure they're fun times now too, but uh, but quite different. So, but yeah, I was talking to him. Sorry for the detour, and uh, he said that uh, you have the patience of a saint, uh, having had to deal with some of these large company, um, you know, legal. Uh, things. So kudos to you guys is what I'm saying here. Kudos to you guys, to you and to the Zynga team and to the Take-Two team for actually bringing it to market and being one of the very, very first large established developers with regulatory hurdles in place. You can't just cowboy it you know, in the Wild West like some of the smaller startups can um, and bringing Sugartown to, to market. So well done. And I'm just going to bring me to my next question, actually, which I I think I know the answer to this, but um, curious to hear your, your insights on it. Uh, you chose to partner with Forte. Uh, which is, of course, the Web3 gaming infrastructure company, very well-funded, uh, founded by Kevin Chu of Kabam fame. Uh, why did you go down the partnership path instead of building your own infrastructure? Um, and how are you working with Forte? What are they doing for you guys and how are you guys working with them? Yeah, well, we wanted to focus on what mattered most to us, which was um, getting a, a viable games product to market as quickly as we could. And we didn't have 
um, the size team that would that that we would need in order to both build infrastructure and um, you know build a, a great game experience. It would be akin to, I suppose, um, not just building an airplane while it's about to take off, but building the whole airport and all of the comms and everything around it. So, um, you know, I made the call to to, to move into um, you know a partnership situation that would give us a bit of infrastructure. Um, with like-minded people. And I think, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned Kevin, um, you know, obviously XBAM. And then there's other folks like Josh Williams, um, who's current CEO and another founder. And we just found a real sort of kinship with them. Um, they have always been great supporters of us since they first learned about our vision day one. Um, they've been, you know, tireless working with us to create um, infrastructure uh, elements that we needed um, so that my team didn't have to worry about that. We could focus on the entertainment side um, and great gaming paradigms and uh, paradigms and loops, not necessarily, you know, all the infrastructure that goes with it. And so when you put all those things together, I mean, it did make sense to partner on the infrastructure side. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the other piece of this too, from a philosophical point of view, of view is that um Forte is a, you know, a lot of the people there understand mobile because they came from Kabam, right? And so, you know, you're in a situation there where, you know, we're mobile games maker and they came from that world. So it made a lot of sense. Gotcha. And uh, you mentioned mobile, actually. We, we, we're going to get into Sugartown next, but um, mobile, I guess, is very important for you guys. This is a mobile initiative um, and, and mobile needs to be a part of your Web3 strategy. Is that fair to say? Yes. So it is fair to say, and, and this gets me into a whole nother, I don't know if you want to go down this road right now, but, but, you know, we, you know, I think mobile is really important. I mean, obviously it's near and dear to us as mobile game devs. I mean, that's what Zynga does. Uh, and we know that mobile comes with a tremendous amount of reach and scale. And we also know that for Web3 to be, you know, what we want it to be, um, it needs new people and it needs to scale and proliferate. And we think that mobile um, is an avenue for that. It's not the only avenue for it, but it is a an, an undeniably uh, attractive avenue given its reach and its scale. Um, we think with a new value proposition like Web3 and true ownership, there's a new value prop. And we think that it's possible that that new value prop could drive an awful lot of new audience to create almost a blue ocean there. Got it, got it. Okay, so uh, let's uh, shift gears now. Let's get into Sugartown. So that was, that was the 30,000 foot view. You know, what's Zynga doing? How did you guys get here? You know, what needles did you have to thread? Sounded like quite a few. Um, but now let's get into Sugartown. Uh, so this is Zynga's very first Web3 game. It's actually more than a game. I believe it's a platform. You're pitching it, but you're going to tell us more about that. But I do have a very critical very important first question right off the bat. Um, how on God's green earth is the game called Sugartown and not Sugarville? Uh, this truly feels borderline sacrilegious. And I know that uh, <laughs> if Mark Pincus, if you're listening, like I, I know you'd have some words to speak about this. I, yeah, he would too. You should get him on the show and ask him. Um, he was around when we were naming um, for sure. This was before um, the take two combination. So Mark was still, you know, our chairman. Um, but I, you know, we wanted to so, say, so first of all, um, we actually thought long and hard about what the name for this thing could be. And um, we wanted it to be a little bit more irreverent and a little bit punchier than some of our other titles, just because we knew what audience we were um, going after. And we knew that it needed a little bit of edge to potentially be attractive to that audience. But we also um, wanted to create something original and unique for the market that didn't lean 
directly on our existing successes. Uh, and um, so by creating this purpose-built sort of unique to Web3 um, product, um, we sort of design this to, to feel fresh for, 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 the, for, the, uh, for, the, for the market. And um, we went to great lengths to do this, by the way. And I don't know if you recall, you, you probably don't. Many here won't have any idea. But the first two to three months of Sugartown was totally anonymous. We were running it on Twitter and we didn't announce who we were. We were very clandestine about it. And the reason was because I firmly believe, and this is through all my years branding and at Coca-Cola and building, you know, working on billion dollar franchises, that if you can win the hearts and minds of a core, um, those 300, those thousand people, those whatever, 25, 10,000 people, they have the strength of millions because they're really, really bought into what you've created and they will be your first defenders and they will, they will love you for what you've created, not for who you are, because if they love you for who you are, what your brand is, it could be fleeting. So that's why we were anonymous. And we did, we, we created a really core group of loyalists that many of whom are still with us today, loving our product, defending us, giving us ideas. It's a true build with versus build for um, alliance and relationship we have. Uh, and then we, um, and then we and then we announced ourselves uh, as Zynga, and things obviously got larger from there. Um, but yeah, we you know we we really wanted to 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 enter this market with care, and we really wanted to come forth with an original IP also. And in closing, because most people that have been in entertainment for a long time understand that with an emerging market comes this sort of once in a cycle opportunity to have an unfair shot at creating real success with an original IP. And um, it gets far more difficult as the market um, evolves and, and, uh, and matures. So that's another reason why. Yeah, that's interesting, actually. I didn't know you guys were totally stealth uh, in the early uh, phases. So that's, that's definitely news. Uh, and it seems very different to the Ubisoft experience where they came out as Ubisoft with, you know, one of their beloved IPs and said, we're going to put NFTs in there. And, you know, I think we saw the backlash, right, uh, that came from there. So uh, interesting to see that you guys made this choice and kind of went the grassroots level to gauge whether there was actual real support for this product, for this game, not because it's from Zynga, not because, it's, you know, a big company is putting NFTs in their games. No, it's because they like this product. So makes total sense and actually explains the Sugartown name. So maybe it's not sacrilegious after all. <laughs> um, well, it's, it's additive. Let's just say that. And there is, there, <laughs> by the way, there is connective tissue back to the farm. And if you go into Sugartown, which you can get to if you have the NFT, you can see on a hill um, that there's a farm back there. And I don't think a lot of people know this, but it's clickable. And if you click on the farm, it'll actually launch our Zynga website. So there's some fun Easter eggs. There, in there. you go. Easter eggs. We, I love it. Yeah, love we did it. like, we, we did like, we, we have, there is connective tissue back to our lore and back to what made us, you know, um, beloved as a publisher, you know, years back. Awesome. Well, that's great to hear. Um, okay. So now let's finally get into the actual nitty gritty. Uh, what is Sugartown? Um, you know, as a game, what is it as a platform? You've teased the fact that it's going to be a platform for additional games, not just a game. Yeah. Uh, and how does it incorporate Web3 elements? Yep. So, you know, it's a rich story that ties back to our Farmville DNA, but it lives on through this new um, sort of uh, uh, story envelope called Sugartown. 
Um, it's, uh, it's, it's a true Web3 games platform. And by that, I mean, uh, and this was strategic, by the way, um, it's not just one game. It's a, it's a host of games. And I don't even call them mini games anymore because there's some richness to them and they're far more deeper than, for example, a, a hyper casual uh, mini game or something like that. Um, and so by going wide, you know, um, and a little bit deep, we we're able to create a variety of, of products, a variety of games. Now, why would this be important? Why, why should we care about that? It's because, like I said earlier, we're trying to understand and, and really learn the business. We're trying to learn who wants to play what, not by what they say, but how they play. And uh, as a result of that, it makes a lot of sense to go with variety. So that's what we did. And we're rolling out our games one by one in a serial manner. Um, and um, the first game called NGMI is playable now. It's event-based. We turn it on and we turn it off and we turn it on. And people are playing it and play testing it right now, having a great time. Um, they're winning rewards, which are these auras, and they're really enjoying it. But soon we'll turn on the next game and the next game, and they're actually opaque in the carousel. So you don't even know kind of what they are yet, although many of our smart consumers, our holders have figured it out. I mean, the hive mind never ceases to amaze me. They are so mm -hmm. smart. But, you know, we're rolling them out and it's as we roll them out, we will have different kinds of events. We will put them out in different combinations and we'll continue to add to this faucet and create a real world of games inside of Sugartown. And hey, that may turn into um, other developers wanting to develop games for Sugartown. It may come down to some UGC. We'll see. And we have vision for it. But right now we're building the games and, and sort of making sure that they're tight, that they work, that they do what we say they're going to do, and that we deliver people um, what we say we're going to deliver when we say we're going to deliver, because honestly, right now in Web3, that's probably one of the most important things to do to ensure that these people understand what they're getting, when they're getting it, and the quality of which we're getting it while we keep them safe. That's very important. That bar of excellence we need to raise up. And, and hopefully, if we do our part to do that and others, other responsible founders, then we hope all boats float and Web3 becomes the amazing place we know it's going to become and, and people feel really safe um, coming into it. So one of the things you mentioned there is, you know, making sure you have this, this quality bar, but then also being responsive to your community. Um, that's new, in my opinion, in Web3 compared to historical game development methods. This idea that you're opening yourself up, making yourself a bit vulnerable with this community of owners now, right, who have a stake essentially in your success or failure um, versus the traditional way of building games where you're kind of keeping it secret for as long as you can so the competitors can't copy and then release it out into the open and, you know, hope for the best, right? <laughs> in many cases, although, of course, you do a bunch of testing. And so that, I think, is really interesting. Um, has that been something that you guys have had to adapt to as game developers, this notion of building out in the open, being vulnerable to your community, uh, opening up to, to players before you yeah, it, might want to? Honestly, it has. You know, we've had to adjust. We've had to change our own behavior and think about things a little bit differently. I think what many folks in Web3 especially natives and holders in particular, even some new founders, they don't really understand how difficult it is to make compelling games. They just don't. Um, and it, it, it costs a lot more in terms of resources than folks think, time and resources, et cetera. So we're not that worried about somebody coming in and, 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 and you know, sort of like 
beating us to market or anything like that, because to us, it's a, it's a host of different things. It's a, it's a spectrum. It's, it's great gameplay and great game loops, the decisions to make these kinds of games. Sure. Then you got to execute. Then you got to have great UI UX. You got to have a great economic paradigm. In our case, we have to stay within strict compliance so that we're safe and we keep people safe. Then you have to deliver against your promise. So the timing all has to be right. You got to have the right kind of community communication, the right kind of moderators, which we do. Our moderators are terrific. Our marketing folks are terrific. Our community folks, you know, all that has to be right. And then you have to be brave enough to actually innovate. Maybe not innovating on, you know, the next AAA game. But when you combine these things together, I don't care who you're talking to. This is innovation. When you put these things together that have never fit together like this, and you're trying to approach a market um, that you don't totally understand yet because there's not a lot of data there yet, this is pure innovation. And it's as much art as it is science or finance, but it's hard. And, uh, and, and we toil at it every day. We work really hard at it. We're very committed. I think it comes through in the product, but I'm not too worried about people following us because it's hard. You need, you need a real team and you need, you need real vision and execution. Yeah, no joke. Uh, Building games is hard enough as it is building games, incorporating blockchain and community before you're really ready for it and all that. Uh, it's even harder. So yeah, uh, kudos to you guys for for getting out there and, and what seems like a pretty positive response. We're going to get that in a second. But I do want to ask you uh, very explicitly, like the collection that you put out there, 10,000 collection, I believe 6,000 were released or minted um, to to holders initially, and then 4,000 or I think 3,999, if we're being precise, are being held back for you know events, uh, rewards, community giveaways ways and things like that. Uh, so what are these auras? What do they actually do? What do they grant? What utility do they grant players? Yeah. So, so the auras, think of them like, um, I mean, we've got a great story lore behind them, which I won't get into because you didn't ask that, but the auras essentially are, are um, a- mm-hmm. access to Sugartown, almost like if we made um, a, 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 an amusement park, um, the amusement park has a fence around it and you can't get into the amusement park without a ticket. In our world, the tickets are auras, but what's unique about our tickets is they're all unique and they're all generative in their art. So they're very collectible um, and and, and they have value. You know, they have value based on what's trading on the secondary market, um, but they also have value in the utility that they provide. So you can't get in and ride the rides, play our games, unless you go through the front gate with your aura. Um, Web3 makes that amazing. You know, I mean, it's, it's like, you know, it's a non-custodial uh, NFT, a digital collectible, and you can go in and through that technology, we can, you know, really determine whether you are an actual holder of one of these or you're not. And if you are, you're let through and you can enjoy the product and win some, you know, win some things or, you know, just enjoy with the community or whatever um, and have a good time. Um, and so auras um, to us are, are access and, and ownership and collection and collectibles. Um, and, and they also come with um, all of this experiential gameplay and um, other things that we're working on right now that I can't get into in too much detail. Maybe you'll have me back later. We can get into it then. But there are other things beyond um, absolutely. You know, w- what we're building even that we have plans for in the future. Yes, absolutely. I, I definitely want to follow this story. Obviously, Zynga is near and dear to me, as our longtime listeners will know. I mentioned it at least once an episode um, from my my time there. Uh, and I'm also really excited to see, like I said, I genuinely am excited to see a large developer 
that does have to go through a lot of hoops. I know from experience, um, you know, the legal and the regulatory framework that you have, it's not easy. So I'm very excited to follow the story of Sugartown and, and how Zing is uh, navigating these, these Web3 waters. So you're welcome back anytime. Um, I believe the Aura's Mint was free. Is that that's correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay. And what, what I think was interesting is uh, when I was reading up on it, um, you, you, it was free, uh, but you made it only available. The Mint was only open to residents of US, Indonesia, Philippines, Thailand, and Vietnam. Um, why only those five regions? It has to do with mostly privacy law and um, and how we're how we have to navigate that very very carefully. Um, there's also some elements in in the in the game through some mechanics we have that um, that um, we need to you know be be cautious about. But mostly it has to do with privacy. Um, and so what I'll say is that as we continue to evolve um, our privacy standards and um, and and make them um, you know, even um, better, not uh, more complicated to the user, but actually more uh, more efficient, let's say, or more or or or, or better integrated into the product. Um, we will open up new markets, and I do have some favorite markets I want to open up as soon as possible. So you know, just think of it like this was our rollout to be extra safe, to be extra by the book. That's how we have to be. Um, and then over time, we will open up to more markets. That's the plan. Uh, and, uh, and I, again, for speaking from my team, I'm really proud of my team. I mean, you keep talking about, you know, like the, 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 the needles we had to thread, but you know, it, it's, a, it takes a lot of work, you know, and, and we have to learn about law. We have to learn about treasury. We have to learn about cybersecurity in ways that we've never really had to as a, as a, as a core games team. And we're not the biggest team in the world. So it's been a real really cool experience and and a really sort of eye-opening experience as we have now successfully threaded into the market. Um, but that's the reason why. But again, I, I just want to be clear, um, as the product evolves, we want to open it up to more and more markets. Remember, this is a live ops product now. It's not a one and done thing. And we're good live ops operators. For sure, for sure. Okay. Um, so as of the recording date, uh, we are recording on Tuesday, October 10th. Um, the 6,000 auras that are out there currently uh, available on OpenSea to trade um, out of the 10,000 supply, they were minted on September 13th, and they've already traded a total of 3,200 ETH, which at current prices is over $5 million, which is quite impressive in my mind uh, in a relatively short time. The floor price is holding at about 0.25 ETH at the time of recording or just under 400 bucks current prices. And I have to say, those numbers are really impressive for free mint, uh, especially in the current crypto environment. And especially because there aren't, you know, you only have one game out so far and all the, the rest of the product hasn't, hasn't rolled out yet. You said it's a live ops um, operation. So what do you think is driving these numbers? What's, uh, what's going on uh, with, with the metrics? Uh, Zynga obviously being a very data-driven organization. Um, how do you view these numbers? Are you happy with them? And uh, what are the main drivers? We didn't know quite what to expect. You know, this is our first product. So uh, we were kind of curious um, what was going to happen. And I agree that having a free mint and having, um, you know, the floor climb to what it did was, was, was really, you know, exciting to see. Um, but I think there are other metrics that we are also excited to see, including the percentage of our aura state, which is pretty substantial at this point. Um, I think that combined with general sentiment on Discord um, and Twitter, especially with the level of engagement and retention we have, definitely points to this product being on its path to success. So we're excited about that. Um, I think that uh, 
you know, as we move forward, um, these are metrics that we obviously want to keep our eye on at all times because many of them signal product health. Uh, but also um, keep in mind it's a live ops product. And so there may be ebbs and flows as we continue to evolve it. But obviously I'd like to, well, I'll say, I, I don't know if I can say this legally, but I would certainly love to um, see the floor, you know, climb to stratospheric levels, which would be an indicator that, you know, people um, highly value the project. And I personally believe the project right now is actually undervalued, but I don't know if I can say that legally. So Brian, if I can't, I don't know. I'll see you. Well, you can say it on jail. the podcast. As far as I'm concerned, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> but anyway, I, that was just my own, that's my own, concerned. that's We're my, happy to- yeah, that's my own thought, my own editorial there. But you know, I, I do, I'm very proud of our launch. Here's, here's the other thing that um, I want to say really quick, if I can slip it in here, Nico, is that, you know, my team, you know, we've had every time we, we, we run a, a, a beat, like, for example, with our mint or our, um, our staking, uh, dropping the gameplay, we have a, a pretty substantial war room of all our crew shows up, you know, all, our entire core team. And every time it's been flawless, knock on wood. And it's pretty miraculous considering this is our first go to market. We've never done this before. It goes to show the level of, of, of executional capability and, um, and professionalism of my team. They are a phenomenal group of, of, of devs. They truly are. And I, I, my hat's off to them. I'm honored and inspired to work with them. But, um, but each time in our war room, it's typically tumbleweeds because there's nothing much going on to fix. And so we really get the satisfaction and enjoyment of watching our, our, our users, our holders react to the product real time versus us running around putting out, putting out fires a lot. And, and we're very lucky to be able to do that. We, of course, we've had to put out a couple of fires, but it's been, it's been a lot of fun seeing this product come to life like it has. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's impressive. Uh, you know, one of the things that if, if any listeners haven't worked in Web3 and haven't been kind of hands-on with the development process, uh, it obviously adds a lot of complexity, but it also uh, there adds a lot of risk because uh, as my co-founder and CTO uh, likes to say, there are no takesies, backsies in blockchain, yeah. right? If you screw things up, like there's no such thing as a hot fix, right? If somebody exploits something um, because you screwed up as a developer and it's a free-to-play economy, so what? You know, you can always uh, claw claw things back. I remember players don't like it, but you as the developer obviously have centralized servers and you can do whatever you want. Um, if you screw up and screw up the economy, you can make tweaks on the fly, do a hot fix, you know, claw back some some currency that went out there, no problem at all. But with Web3 and with blockchain, there are no takesies, backsies. <laughs> you screw up, that's it. Like you could blow up your economy in, in one fell swoop. Um, and so that is actually really important, I think, for folks to note. And that is another reason why I think it's so impressive for a very established developer doing this because the, the uh, eye of Sauron, which is what we used to call Mark Pincus, but obviously he's no longer <laughs> there, but the eye of Sauron is on you guys as, as uh, front runners, right? As pioneers, as a large developer going out there. And I think that that probably adds an extra layer of stress, perhaps a little bit of pressure, but it certainly adds a layer of QA <laughs> that has to be happening in a way that a free-to-play economy just doesn't have to worry about. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and I'd be, I'd, I'd be, I'd misspeak if I said I wasn't living, breathing and sleeping web three in this game. I mean, I, I don't think there's been a night as long as I can remember that I didn't actually dream about this 
this product and um, <laughs> and how to navigate through this sector effectively and successfully. Yeah, and i I think we've I think we've done everything we can do, and um, and I think that you know clearly, like going back to your original note here, it's like retention and engagement numbers are super strong and. They have really blown past our expectations. We've seen um, higher play times than we even forecasted um, over the last, you know, fifteen hours a day or something like that across three days with our events. So it's just wow. like the the take rate, the play rate on this stuff is astronomical. So like, there's something here, right? Like, and and by the way, many of our holders have more than one aura and are very, very um, committed to the project. And yet they still spend like tons of time playing, communicating when we're not playing in Discord. There is something here. Um, and it's really great because we can take this as a foundation and we can build on it and, and build something, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty sustainable. And, and that's our mission, durable sustainability in Web3 over time. Um, one of the things you've mentioned a couple of times now, and I wanted to ask about it anyway, and now's as good a time as any, is staking. Um, you have added staking. Uh, so you mentioned that you have a high percentage of your auras currently staked. And given that everything's um, uh, public on the blockchain, you can probably tell me what that percentage is. Um, what have you, why have you incorporated staking? Um, and what do players get uh, from staking their auras? Right. So... Um, <laughs> So the auras, um, the auras are basically, um, it's, it's part of the, it's sort of like part of the web three ecos ethos. And it's part of our strategy to stay close to web three culture. And so, um, in our case, sustainability is always top of mind. So staking in our game allows you to earn energy, which lets you play the game and the rewards, uh, uh, are always tricky to keep sustainable. So we're always exploring new innovations and ways to, you know, create our, our faucets and sinks such that, you know, a new token um, that comes in will be sustainable as well. And, and so, for example, with our LBT token, which stands for a lifebound token, um, it's a non-transferable token that exists on chain. Um, so you fully own it, and, but, you can't, but, it, but you can't sell it. It can't be transferred. Um, it can only be rewarded to players um, in a healthy way uh, for the game economy while still supporting blockchain technology. So we have the auras, which are access to the game, and you stake them to earn energy, to be able to play the games, which then give you sugar, which is an in-game um, off-chain currency, which you know is, a, is part of our reward structure. And then we're also playing around on the edges with these, um, these, these sort of life-bound tokens, which um, our rewards to players and, uh, that, that rewards them for staking for a period of time. Um, and again, these are things we're, 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 we're actually bringing to market to understand how people react to them to then give us a sense of like, Oh, we should tweak this or we should double down on that. Right. As we continue to evolve and build in, in live ops. So this leads me to my, my next line of questioning really, which is that minting NFTs on Ethereum staking, even knowing what staking is uh, as a gamer, you know, for rewards and many other elements of web three that you've incorporated into sugar Town, even the terminology. I love the name NGMI, by the way, you know, not going to make it to those of uh, you who are not as crypto degen as, as I think, Matt and I are here, um, but you're really going after a core crypto degen audience here as your as your starting point. And I know you're on the record as saying that you are starting with this 
crypto degen audience. You didn't use the word degen. I'm editorializing here, but <laughs> um, but that is that is what you're doing. And so that obviously is limiting in terms of the overall reach that you can get because there's a lot of hoops to jump through, and we know that you know that market is going to be hard to scale that uh, sustainably. Uh, you have said that you start here. This is your beachhead. You figure it out, and then you go to the mass market. After that, and you you grow beyond. But the the key question here, you know, the billion dollar question is, how do you actually plan to do that? How are you going to grow beyond this core crypto audience? You know, this core Web three enthusiast audience, which is very passionate. And I'm not surprised you have really high retention engagement numbers. I'm not even surprised of your floor, floor price. I'm impressed by it, but I'm not surprised by the full price, even though you had a free mint. Um, but that doesn't really matter. None of that matters to the the average mass market player and gamer. Where do you go from here? How do you grow that audience to the size and scale it needs to be for something like a Zynga? Yeah, it's a great question, Nico. I mean, I so first of all, growth and scale, I want to just get this right off the top and say, very top of mind for us, right? Web3, it's small right now. And so our objective mm -hmm. is to help bridge the gap between Web2 and Web3 as much as we can. Um, obviously, where we're at right now is testing and understanding and exploring um, what a good paradigm shift is, right? Web2 games don't have ownership in them. Web3 does, as well as Providence. What is that value proposition? Do we have the right combination of things? Are we, um, are we hitting a nerve with the current audience that's there? Because they're the core. And what I've learned over years and years of branding and, and, and actual IP growth and development is, um, you have to win the core to win the wider rings, right? If you're not authentic to the core, it's very difficult to be authentic and win, you know, the secondary and tertiary rings. So, yeah, yeah, we did the hard thing. And the hard thing is to create a native product to appeal to um, a brand new user that we didn't fully understand and we're not from that world. And I think we're one step there, right? Um, we, we've taken some good strides with Sugartown. We're starting to understand it. Uh, we're starting to our live ops process now and things look, you know, good so far. We, we've got a really good core audience. But the question is, how do we then, um, you know, bridge the gap? And while I can't dive into, you know, <laughs> super telegraph specifics right now in the house, um, um, we do have hundreds of millions of players, uh, if not billions. Um, we're always eyeing scale in every game we're exploring. And so, you know, I think um, a uh, a, a logical next step might be to come up with a, um, a paradigm that we know works with um, mass market or like web two game gaming in terms of a value proposition, um, but invite them into a world, for example, like Sugartown, where they're enjoying a product, they're enjoying um, playing the games. Um, there may be some sort of ticket. Remember how I said auras are tickets? Maybe there's another collectible that is, um, you know, perhaps more widely distributed um, and that they can experience a portion of Sugartown. Um, and then while they're in Sugartown, um, potentially something um, could happen or there could be a new value proposition that sort of on-ramps them very gradually, very safely um, into the ownership side of digital collectibles. Um, and that could happen in a number of different ways with a number of different technologies I can't get into. But ultimately, what, what I see is, is, a, is a convergence. It's, it's taking the knowledge and 
the approach and the kind of product we've created in Sugartown and then inviting more and more and more people into it until it, it, it becomes a games platform that's really built on Web3 Rails. Um, but we do it gradually, you know, because the last thing we want to do is triple down on an idea that's fairly untested and force feed that to an audience we don't, we don't totally understand. I mean, everybody runs their business differently, but I would say, at least from my point of view, an approach like that uh, could be taken as a bit irresponsible. Um, so we're, we're taking our time and we're, and we're approaching this, I think, in a very smart, thoughtful, organic way. We're, we're, we're doing everything we can to provide value to our existing users. And we're very conscious that there are day ones and that they've been with us, you know, since the start. And as we, um, sort of proliferate Sugartown to a wider audience, there will be different value propositions potentially to new users, um, potentially on different platforms. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I, one of the reasons I'm so excited by Zynga's move here and you actually getting product to market, you know, many companies have talked about it or at least, you know, paid lip service to it during the crypto bull and maybe are a bit more quiet now and certainly haven't released anything. But part of the reason I'm so excited for Zynga to be doing this is because you have that unfair advantage of scale. Um, I mean, Zynga used to be and probably still is to this day, very, very good at cross promo, right? like getting players from one game to another where there might be an affinity. Um, and that is something that no native Web3 developer, i.e. startup, you know, who doesn't have scale yet, can do. That's impossible. There is no scale. So every single installer, every single player you're trying to bring in, you have to do that either organically through word of mouth, which of course is very, very hard, um, or you have to pay for every install, right? And that's very expensive, um, especially in the post-IDFA world. So one of the things that I'm quite excited by, and I know you're not going to telegraph exactly what you're going to do, so I'm just going to you know, put my own commentary on this. Um, but I do think that once you are ready for the, the doors to open, so to speak, you've learned enough, you've done it, you know, done the testing, um, true Singa style, I'm sure still to this day, very data-driven, data-informed. Um, there is that opportunity, I think, to drive a lot of cross-promotion from the portfolio into Sugartown and then obviously vice versa. And this is what's also so exciting. You can offer something of value in those other games to players coming into Sugartown and vice versa too. Uh, and I think that's really interesting. And I think that's something that I don't know if you're thinking this way. Uh, I know I'm thinking this way. Um, but very, very few native Web3 teams can actually have the luxury of even thinking like this, where you could say, hey, we've got this game over here, Farmville, or we've got Zynga Poker or whatever. And you can offer something of value in those games within Sugartown and vice versa. And that's something really interesting. And that's something that really only Web3 unlocks through the true ownership piece. Um, so anyway, I I'd love to hear your comments on that to the extent that you can comment on it. And again, without telegraphing what you're going to do, but that to me is so interesting and so exciting and such an unfair advantage um, on the Zynga side. The best I can respond to that is to say uh, <laughs> we do have a lot of um, potential users that we can tap at a moment's notice. Uh, so hypothetically, it one could be... Uh, one could be excited that you could flip a switch and invite a whole host of people at, at scale into a, into a new project. At the same time, right, with great power comes great responsibility. You know? so, like, mm -hmm. so like before we, we even consider doing anything like that, we need to make sure that our rails are tight, that we've got good compliance, that we've got a fun product for people to play, that our community is ready for that level of, of scale um, and that we are confident 
in the 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 property. We're confident in the value proposition um, to to move in a direction hypothetically uh, that could invite uh, more players into our universe. And by the way, um, that is one angle. You know, another angle we think about a lot too is. Um, just straight UA, right? And and top of funnel um, value prop on the UA on the user acquisition side, um, as to say, um, you know, what are people playing for? You know, what is the new value proposition? This isn't something on the Web two side that's going to happen overnight. In fact, we've seen the vitriol that comes with core gamers when you even mention the idea of an NFT nowadays. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I prefer to call them digital collectibles. I don't know what you call them, Nico, but everybody kind of has probably their own spin on it now. But um, I think before we even go towards, you know, um, sort of introducing a value proposition on the sustainable ownership side for players, um, we need to make sure that we've evangelized it properly, that we've communicated uh, the value properly and that people feel safe and they don't feel like they're going to get taken advantage of. And obviously, you know, any one of these calls uh, wouldn't be complete or at least completely honest. And unless we mention, you know, there has been, you know, some 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 stuff that's happened in the history of, of this space that has been unsavory. And uh, all I can say is we're here to do our part to, to to elevate and to make these things, you know, sustainable and durable, do what we say we're going to do. And I believe if we do that, and we have a good value proposition that Web2 users can really understand and value and appreciate, they'll come over in, in the millions, right? And then, of course, we have other ways to invite our own players into a world once we've proven it out. But for now, we're really happy with what we've got. And we're just at the very beginning of it, right? We only, we, I think we have like, we have like five things mm-hmm. in our carousel. We've only launched one. It's, this is only the second event with a limited test. So we're just getting started, um, but I hope you hear it in in my voice and my tone, and and I'm certainly you know galvanized that um, that we've got something special here in Sugartown. We've got the right partners, we've got the right thinkers in place. I've got a brilliant team. We've got a good support apparatus in the companies to hopefully um, you know bring something lasting, uh, fun and valuable and safe to the market. No, I I hundred percent. Buy it. Uh, I also call them digital collectibles, by the way, and I have done ever since Reddit had that incredibly successful rollout yes, of their did. digital collectibles um, that, yeah, that nobody realized was an NFT <laughs> um, and they just got it and millions of people, uh, I forget the exact numbers now, it was very least hundreds of thousands, I believe it was millions of Reddit users were happily collecting these digital collectibles um, and oblivious to the notion that there might be something you know, blockchain happening under the hood, right? And I think that's where you're exactly right. Like, there are definitely millions of people who are interested in engaging in digital collectibles in games. It's just a question of finding them. <laughs> and you arguably ha- already have them in your network. Uh, so it's just a question of understanding what characteristics these players and collectors have and how to then, uh, you know, funnel them from product to product. So yeah, I'm very excited for you guys and, and definitely buy the vision for uh, the digital collectibles, true ownership uh, of in-game assets to be a real driving force for engagement, retention. And of course, as we already know very well from Web3, 
numbers might be small, but they monetize extremely well because there is that passion, that early adopter mo- uh, notion there. So yeah, absolutely, 100% by that. Okay, we are coming close to time, Great. but I have a couple more questions. Yeah. So if hopefully you got a little bit more time to, to go here. Um, I did want to ask you, how big is the team that's working on Sugartown? Um, if you're able to share and... Uh, Beyond Sugartown, do you have any other Web3 initiatives that you're, you're working on? It sounds like it's mostly just Sugartown now and filling out those lobby cards with you know, the games that you're planning and the events. But tell me more about the team, how big it is, um, and uh, what are the other things that you guys are working on? Yeah, we're we're focused on we're primarily focused on Sugartown right now as our first as our first offering, and it's very fresh to market. So it's got a lot of our it's got a lot of our mind share. Uh, and it's a really fun um, toy to play with. I got to say like the team, like I just got to add this because you'll appreciate this, Nico, but like we've been under wraps building for a little while. And, um, and, and so to come out with the product finally and to have people consuming it and playing it, it's like the most fun for a dev, right? Because now we have a relationship with our users. We have a back and mm-hmm. forth. We're talking to them all the time. It like brings a whole new level of dimensionality into our build process. So we're having a bunch of fun with it. And honestly, I'm not the only one who dreams about the game. Like my team are so dedicated. Like we're just, it's a passion project for us. And I think the soulfulness, frankly, is coming out and and reaching holders because that's how much we put into it. And so for us, um, I can't imagine like all of a sudden just working on something brand new in the portfolio, but I am a scale guy and I do build uh, you know, I'm a bit, I build businesses. So for us, um, you know, we want to widen the portfolio over time. Um, we're looking at, um, um, collaborations and partnerships. Uh, we're looking at new play paradigms. Um, I always talk about casual competitive and I just put a poll out on my Twitter, uh, and people want to see casual competitive and esports as it relates to Sugartown, which I find interesting and fascinating. I, I didn't think they'd choose that as number one and it kind of ran away with it. So I think there's, you know, we, again, we work Hmm. closely with our community. And so to try to answer your question as, 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 as spot on as I can, it's like, yeah, Sugartown's getting a lot of our mindshare right now, but there's a lot of capability around Sugartown and the operational nature of Sugartown, which lends itself to a host of other, um, portfolio, um, enhancements, let's just call it, as well as our ability to do now, starting partnerships and collaborations, uh, potentially with other projects, with other brands, um, and then pursue this, this casual competitive, um, potentially compa- casual competitive vibe, um, and all of this within our Web3 platform. Um, and I think that as the market matures, as we see new pastures of green, um, and as we continue to expand the team, which by the way, shameless plug, because we're looking for the few, the mighty, uh, who are willing to uh, explore something like this and really have the skills to do it, product people, some eng people, that kind of thing. Um, as we pursue this, uh, uh, I think um, our portfolio uh, will widen. And um, my intent is to make us a real leader uh, in the sector, uh, even beyond what we are. So um, we're humble. Uh, we know that we don't know everything here. We're learning as fast as we can. We're grateful to our community. I'm grateful for the company and the team. And, uh, you know, I, I just, uh, I'm just thrilled to be in a sector that is as intoxicating and as exhilarating as it is, because everything else seems kind of not as, it, it's just pretty wild how uh, fast the space moves and how much it keeps us on our toes, which I love. 
Yeah. You know, I I had one more question lined up for you, but because you ended so strong, I think this is the right place to stop. (laughs) Um, So Matt, uh, I love the vision. I'm very excited for you guys. Congratulations. It's no mean feat to get a game out, especially for established dev like Zynga to get a Web3 game out with all the, you know, threading of needles that was involved. So thank you so much for coming on the pod today and sharing all of this. Uh, I learned a lot and I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks, Nico. Thanks for having me. It's great to be on the pod after listening to it for so long. I appreciate you. Yeah. And a big thank you, as always, to all of our listeners. We'll be back next week with more interviews, more insights, and more analysis from the weird and wonderful world of Web3. So until next time, friends, stay crypto curious and feel free to send questions, guest recommendations, and comments to me. My email is nico at novic.co. If you enjoyed today's episode, whether on YouTube or your favorite podcast app, make sure to like, subscribe, comment, or give a five-star review. And if you want to reach out or provide feedback, shoot us a note at podcast at novic.co or find us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Plus, if you want to learn more about what Novic has to offer, make sure to check out our website, www.novic.co. There, you can sign up for the number one games industry newsletter, Novic Digest, or contact us to learn about our wide-ranging consulting and advisory services. Again, that is www.novic.co. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.